Can't sleep? Don't want to sleep? Afraid to sleep? Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Did you check your closet? And under your bed? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in. Make yourself comfortable. Lay back. Close your eyes. And let me tell you a story. We've all been frustrated by a takeout dinner that was missing the egg rolls. A mistake on your order at the coffee shop. The pizza delivery that was late and cold. But do we ever stop to consider what's going on in the lives of the service people from whom we demand so much? Maybe they deserve a break. Maybe they're having a day you wouldn't believe. Where's my pizza? It had come to this. Dr. Marvin Demeter, PhD and pizza delivery guy. It could be worse. He could be one of those philosophy majors who served coffee at Starbucks or have a doctorate in English literature while driving for Uber. At least delivering pizzas minimized his contact with people. Most of his time was spent alone in the 1960 VW Beetle he inherited from his grandfather, sputtering around town with a large, square, insulated bag, leaking tempting cheesy sausage smells all night. Marvin didn't consider himself in the same category as the other overly educated gig economy workers. Most of them never achieved any measure of professional success. He was a professor of astrophysics at the University of Illinois, or at least he had been until he presented his last paper at ICA, the International Conference of Astrophysicists. His theory was crazy, they said. His observations were flawed. The conclusions he drew were pure fantasy. Marvin claimed that some of the lesser astronomical bodies in our solar system, chunks of seemingly unassuming rock in the asteroid belt, a few of the smaller satellites orbiting Jupiter, were not only foreign to our collection of planets, but of alien origin. In short, he was certain that they were, in fact, spacecraft from a distant star. The evidence, in his mind, was overwhelming. The change in position these astronomical bodies exhibited over time could only be explained by some sort of self-contained propulsion system. But no one bothered to look at the reams of data he supplied, the thousands of telescopic photographs he had taken, the chalkboards filled with equations. They heard the words alien and spacecraft and dismissed his theories out of hand. This presentation was live-streamed on YouTube, and various creators on the video service cut and mixed his speech with scenes from different movies so as to make him look even more ridiculous. Someone even turned it into an auto-tuned pop song. Despite his tenured status at the university, his funding was cut, his department curtailed, and Marvin found himself out on the streets of Urbana, Illinois, motoring steaming discs of cheese and meat-covered dough through the dark streets of the campus community. He felt like a character in one of those sci-fi movies, like Stargate or Moonfall, where the brilliant scientist proposes a wild theory, is labeled a crackpot, and shunned by the scientific community, only to be vindicated later. But so far, no super-secret agency of the government had come knocking on his door to whisk him away to some hidden facility where alien spacecraft were being studied. 
Instead, he found every academic door closed to him. Even his application to teach physics at the local high school was met with derision. In a way, though, he didn't miss the cutthroat academic politics and constant pressure to publish papers. There was a certain zen-like quality to the profession of pizza delivery. He found a purity in its mission. Take a pizza from the restaurant to the customer, collect the money, hopefully a tip, then return to do the same thing again. It was peaceful in its way. After a few months on the job, he became familiar with many of the regulars. One elderly woman, he suspected, only ordered a pizza every Wednesday evening so that she could enjoy his company for a few minutes as he dropped it off. Their conversations became progressively longer each week, but he didn't mind. His boss, however, was another story. Marvin's employment was actually in violation of several labor laws. He didn't receive an hourly wage. Instead, he got a dollar a pizza and was allowed to keep his tips. Considering his options, or lack thereof, he wasn't in any position to complain. To discourage the disgraced physicist from dallying too much, the owner of Joe's Pizza had implemented a speedy delivery policy. Delivery in under 33 minutes or your pizza was free. And by free, Joe meant the cost came out of Marvin's pocket. Actually, it was 33 minutes minus the 12 or so it took to make, bake, and box the pizza, leaving Marvin only about 20 minutes to deliver it, assuming he hadn't spent too much time returning from his previous drop-off. He wasn't quite sure why it was 33 minutes instead of an even half hour, but he appreciated the extra 180 seconds, especially on nights when the weather was bad, like tonight. Dark clouds had been gathering all day, the sun never really made an appearance. Lightning danced between the thunderheads, but no rain had fallen yet. It was Monday. That meant a double cheese with anchovies and onions for Mr. Bellamy on First Street. The old man's house was only ten minutes from the restaurant, so there was no danger of missing the promised delivery window. Marvin loaded the odiferous pie into his insulated bag and headed out the back door to where his red VW Beetle was parked. A bolt of lightning shot down out of the sky striking a power pole on the corner. Instantly, the streetlights went dark. The businesses and houses nearby also had their lights doused, and a chorus of car alarms chirped like giant, angry robot crickets. Marvin pulled out his phone. He spotted the icon consisting of a row of increasingly taller bars, indicating the cellular network was unaffected. Their systems had backup batteries and were usually fairly robust. He tossed the pizza on the passenger seat and stuck his key in the ignition. The car made a grinding noise, but didn't turn over. Ah, crap, he cursed, checking the time on his watch against the one printed on the receipt for the order he had stuffed into his shirt pocket. Eighteen minutes to get to Mr. Bellamy's. Marvin was by no stretch a car mechanic, but he believed he could intimidate his ancient relic of an automobile into behaving if he popped the hood and fiddled with various fittings. The engine on his Beetle was actually in the back of the car. As soon as he lifted the hood, or was it the trunk, another flash of lightning lit up the sky, illuminating the greasy four-cylinder motor. It roared to life. Marvin stumbled backward, losing his hold on the hood trunk. It slammed shut just as his butt hit the pavement. That had never happened before. Usually he had to coax the car into starting with a random sequence of key turns and pedal pushes and a whole lot of praying to the god of temperamental VWs. But he wasn't one to look a gift horse in the mouth. He wasn't one to look any horse in the mouth. 
Marvin thanked whatever pizza delivery deity was watching over him this evening, got behind the wheel, and threw the car into gear. With the power out, Marvin decided to avoid the main roads and stick to the side streets, where he wouldn't have to deal with the inevitable confusion of drivers unable to navigate a busy intersection when the traffic signals were inoperable. There was still no rain, but he could hear the crack of lightning both near and far, accompanied by thunder rumbling like a thousand bass drums. As he turned a corner, a white streak of electricity snaked down toward an old oak tree, striking it in such a way that the trunk split in two, with one half falling against a nearby house and the other crashing onto the road in front of Marvin. They slammed on the brakes. The pizza bag slid forward, crashing into the glove box, then tipping over toward the floor. He grabbed it just before it teetered over the edge of the seat. Marvin let out the clutch and set the parking brake. He pulled the cardboard box holding Mr. Bellamy's anchovy special out of the bag and lifted the lid. The toppings were all still in place. The cheese had shifted slightly, but a slight tilt of the pizza in the opposite direction resolved that minor imperfection. He slid the pie back into the cozy warmth of the insulated bag and fastened the lap belt over it to keep it in place. His phone rang. Hello? Where's my pizza? The voice on the other end of the call inquired. Marvin hadn't recognized the number on the caller ID, but he was familiar with the cranky voice demanding to know the whereabouts of his dinner. It was Mr. Bellamy. The pizza restaurant owner had a habit of passing out Marvin's phone number to customers who were impatient about their deliveries. Where's my pizza? The old man asked again when Marvin failed to answer. There's been a problem, Mr. Bellamy. A tree is blocking the road. I don't give a darn if the gates to hell have opened up beneath you. Every minute you delay, my pizza gets 17 degrees cooler. I can't abide a cold pizza. I know, Mr. Bellamy, but there's an actual tree. Nine more minutes and it's free, Mr. Bellamy reminded Marvin. But a free cold pizza does me no good. All you have to do is pop it in the oven for five minutes. If I wanted to cook my own pizza, I wouldn't be ordering from Joe's. Get that pizza here immediately, or no tip. He hung up. Marvin sighed. The tip didn't concern him. Mr. Bellamy always tipped a dollar coin, as if the weight of the metal somehow gave it more value. If he was late, Mr. Bellamy would insist on Marvin fetching him a new pizza, and Marvin would be on the hook for the cost of two pies. He put the car into reverse and backed down the narrow residential street as quickly as he dared. Once he made it back to the last intersection, he turned onto the cross street and sped north to the nearest parallel avenue. His dim headlights failed to inform him of the speed bump rising out of the blacktop, and the little VW went airborne for a second, slamming back down to earth with a bone-shaking jolt. Marvin imagined the pizza toppings smashed into the lid of the box, but he didn't have time to worry about that now. He continued onward, taking greater care to watch for additional hazards on the unfamiliar boulevard. As he rounded the next corner, he slowed down in time to avoid running over a silvery lump next to what looked like a very recent car wreck. He didn't have time for this. Mr. Bellamy was waiting. Marvin was about to back up again to find another route when he saw the lump move. Oh, geez, it was a person. As desperate as Marvin was to avoid the ire of Mr. Bellamy and the unforgiving penalties of the pizza restaurant owner, he wasn't about to leave an accident victim lying in the middle of the road. He turned off the car and stepped out into the street. Are you all right? he asked. What happened? There was no reply. 
but the figure moaned and turned slightly. Marvin had left his headlights on, and he could see that whoever it was wore a metallic fabric of some sort. He turned to evaluate the damage from what he assumed was a car crash, and indeed there was a car that was crushed beneath another vehicle, but whatever had smashed the unfortunate automobile was not another car. At first he thought it was a plane. There were surfaces that were vaguely aerodynamic, but he saw no engines, no propellers, no landing gear. The figure lying on the street moaned again and turned over and into the beam of the VW's headlights. It was definitely not a person, at least not a human person. Marvin's phone rang. He answered without looking, keeping his gaze focused on the alien lying on the street at his feet. Where's my pizza? Mr. Bellamy asked impatiently. I can't talk now, Mr. Bellamy. I'll be there as soon as I can. Marvin ended the call. Was this one of the aliens he had suspected were parked in the outer solar system? It had to be. But where were they here now? And what had caused them to crash on the very street that Marvin happened to be driving on? The coincidence was mind-boggling. The alien looked up at Marvin. Are you hurt? he asked. Then he remembered he was talking to an alien. Can you understand me? Yes, of course I can, the creature replied in perfect English. And I'm fine, I think, just a little shaken up. The alien slowly sat up, then rose to its feet. The silvery fabric formed a skin-tight jumpsuit around the being's skinny body. Its large head was at the end of a long neck that seemed too thin to support it. The creature was about a foot shorter than Marvin, and stared at him with large black eyes. How? What? Who? Marvin asked, unable to settle on a single question. My ship's systems caused an unexpected atmospheric reaction, and ironically I was struck by the very lightning I caused as I was trying to land. Tell me, am I anywhere near Joe's Pizza? It's just down the street about half a mile, Marvin replied. You came all this way for pizza? Goodness, no, though I wouldn't mind trying it. The commercials on your television broadcasts make it seem so appealing. You watch TV? How do you think I learned English? Why do you want to go to Joe's? There's someone there I need to speak to. Joe? No, Dr. Marvin Demeter. I'm Marvin Demeter. You're Marvin Demeter? Yes. Dr. Marvin Demeter, professor of astrophysics? Yes. Well, former professor. I heard. You did? We also get YouTube. Oh. Sorry, I thought some secret government agency might swoop in and acknowledge the validity of your findings. I know, right? Well, obviously you can at least have the satisfaction of knowing you were right, the alien said, pointing at a spacecraft with a spindly finger. I thought it would be bigger, Marvin remarked. This is just a simple sublight ship. Our main craft is orbiting Jupiter. I knew it, Marvin exclaimed, offering his hand to the alien for a high five. The creature obliged. His excitement was short-lived, however, as a question surfaced in his mind. But why did you want to find me? For your observations. My observations? Why would you need my work? I mean, you have moon-sized spaceships. Yes, well, it has to do with the reason we're here. You see, one of our evil scientists. You have evil scientists? Unfortunately, yes. A certain percentage of everything is evil. It's a universal constant. Oh. 
Anyway, he fled our solar system to continue his work on a superweapon. An evil superweapon? Obviously. We tracked him to your asteroid belt, but from our vantage point... Ah, Marvin said, understanding what the alien needed from him. He's positioned himself to be undetectable from your location. But from Earth... He should be easy to pick out, the alien concluded. Any chance I can get a peek at your data? Sure, Marvin answered. He walked back toward his car and lifted the hood, which was actually the trunk, and pulled out a cardboard box. He returned to the alien and handed him the documents. It's all there. Ah, perfect. Thank you, Dr. Demeter. Your assistance in this matter will not be forgotten by the Hamananids. If there's anything we can ever do for you... Marvin's phone rang. He answered. Hello? Where's my pizza? Mr. Bellamy asked, sounding weary at this point. Oh, jeez, I almost forgot, Marvin replied. Yes, well, you might as well go back and get me a fresh one. I won't pay for a cold pizza. I'll be right there, Mr. Bellamy. Marvin ended the call and smiled apologetically at the alien. Sorry, I have to go. I need to get this pizza five blocks in the next twenty seconds. Need a lift? The alien asked, indicating his ship. Seriously? The alien hefted the box of documents. It's the least I can do. A door opened on the ship, and the alien walked inside. Marvin grabbed the pizza and followed him. It was somehow bigger on the inside than it was on the outside. You can skip the Doctor Who references, the alien said. I'm more of a Stargate SG-1 guy, Marvin remarked. Me too. Although I really thought they'd jump the shark with the Ori in Season 9. Where do we need to go? Marvin conveyed the address to the alien who displayed a satellite view of old Mr. Bellamy's house on a holographic screen. That's it, Marvin confirmed. There was a hum as the ship lifted off and zipped over the tops of the trees. Marvin checked his watch. Darn, looks like a free pizza for Mr. Bellamy. Any chance you guys have time travel? He asked hopefully. No, time travel is impossible. However, do you have a solid object, something small, preferably round? Marvin reached into his pocket and pulled out a dollar coin one of the tips he had previously received from Mr. Bellamy. It was a Sacagawea dollar, featuring a Native American woman, the kind they made before moving to the version with different presidents on the face. Perfect, the alien exclaimed. He snatched the coin from Marvin's fingers and placed it on a pad on his control panel. The pad glowed momentarily, transferring a very subtle sheen to the metal. He handed it back to Marvin. Thanks, Marvin said. It's very pretty. If you rub it between your fingers, it'll freeze everyone around you for five minutes, the alien explained. You never know when something like that will come in handy. I can't tell you how many times it saved me with the wife. Oh, well, that's pretty cool, Marvin said, pocketing the gift. The ship descended onto Mr. Bellamy's lawn and the door opened. Well, good luck catching your evil scientist, Marvin said as he stepped out. Let me know if there's anything else I can do to help. You've done more than you know, Dr. Demeter. We are forever grateful for your assistance. The door closed, and the ship zipped up into the dark clouds, narrowly avoiding several bolts of lightning. Marvin walked up the path to Mr. Bellamy's house. His block had escaped the power outage, it seemed. He rang the bell. The door opened. You're late! Sorry, you'll never believe what happened, Marvin said as he pulled the pizza from the bag. I don't care what happened! he said as he took the box from Marvin. And this pizza's not only late, it's cold. I want a new one. For free. 
Marvin sighed. He slipped his hand in his pocket and felt the coin the alien had given him. He pulled it out and held it in front of his face. And don't expect a tip, Mr. Bellamy added. Marvin rubbed the coin between his fingers. He looked at Mr. Bellamy, who stared at him, frozen. It worked. Marvin grabbed the pizza box from the old man's hands and squeezed past him into the house, making his way to the kitchen. He slid the box into the oven and turned it on high. While the pizza was heating up, Marvin returned to Mr. Bellamy and adjusted the time on his analog watch back seven minutes so that at the end of the time freeze, it would read one minute before the deadline for a speedy delivery. Thirty seconds before the five minutes expired, Marvin removed the now-hot pizza from the oven and placed it back in Mr. Bellamy's hands, just as the effects of the coin wore off. I don't tip or service, Mr. Bellamy proclaimed unaware that he had spent the last five minutes as a statue. I'm not sure what you mean, Marvin said. There's still a minute before I'm officially late, and I'm sure you'll find your pizza is quite hot. Mr. Bellamy regarded the pizza skeptically. He opened the lid, and a face full of anchovy-scented steam hit him square on. He glanced at his watch. Hmm, he grunted, then reluctantly dipped into his pants pocket, and handed Marvin money for the pizza and his customary tip. This one was a dollar coin with President Ford's face on it. See you next week, Mr. Bellamy, Marvin said cheerfully as the door slammed in his face. He walked back down the path, tossing and catching the time-freezing coin as he went, thinking about how much easier this job was going to be from now on, before remembering that his car was parked five blocks away. Thank you for listening to Where's My Pizza? Written especially for the bedtime stories for Insomniac's fiction podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Rate us on Apple, Spotify, and Audible. And share these stories, as well as the unabridged audiobook versions of my novels, with anyone you know who enjoys audio fiction. Be sure to visit bedtimestories.studio, where you can sign up for our Insomniac's Snoozeletter be notified of new episodes and exclusive offers, and get a free bookmark. You can visit richhosick.com to learn more about the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. Thanks again, and all the very best.